Coming up on Chase and Natty, you guys are once again driving the show as we have another mailbag-oriented show. We have Brandon T. Sanders on to help answer all of your CFF needs. We're covering all sorts of topics from draft strategy to how we really feel about players to what my guilty pleasure movie is. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Natty podcast. Hope you guys are having a wonderful drive on your way to work this morning. Uh, I'm giggling a little bit because as the intro was playing there, Brandon and I were both, we neither, just a little behind the scenes peek for you guys, neither one of us can actually hear the intro as it's going on because the way my software works, it's just kind of recording the audio as it plays and doesn't really play it out for us. So like we're both trying to guess like what the music is as it's going. And it was, a, it was, it, it was pretty funny because I'm pretty sure we were both way off on it. Um, but so even so, welcome to another episode of Chasing Natty Podcast, guys. We got a mailbag episode for you guys today. I was a little bit at a loss this week as to like what to do and everything. I was like, oh, we could do another mailbag, but it feels like it's a little too soon. Like I feel like we just did one. I looked back; it's been since February since I did a mailbag episode, and I was sitting here thinking, like, what? four months have gone by just in a flash like i was not expecting it whatsoever uh but speaking of which on the show today in order to help answer your questions and everything we have mr brandon t sanders host of the future freshman podcast and the cff university podcast during the season brandon how are you doing today sir i'm doing well man i appreciate you having me on I'm excited to answer some of these questions we got some good questions so i'm very excited to answer these and uh and shoot the gambit for this episode man Oh yeah, dude. Again, we're, we'll be laid back on this one. Again, we got we, we are we got all these questions are covering such a wide variety of like what to think about in CFF. So it's not like we're going to be answering the same kind of questions over and over again. We're not looking at like a thousand different trade options that people gave us or anything like that. It's going to be a very very variety driven show for you guys today. So I am very much looking forward to it. Uh, before we get too much farther into this, though, let me give you my spiel. You guys know my spiel. And if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Leave your thoughts to these questions down below in the comment section. I really want to know what your guys' thoughts are. Because again, I have my thoughts. Brandon has his thoughts. But a lot of you guys are like maybe more casual players and everything like that. I want to hear like what your gut reaction to some of these things are and everything. Because I want to, again, I love that kind of dialogue back and forth. And if you don't want to leave a comment in the comment section, you can always DM me on Twitter. I am at CFF underscore Jared. You talk to Brandon, he is at CFF University on Twitter as well. He finally combined his two Twitter accounts into one. Yes, I did. Um, and then as well, if you're listening to this on podcasts, wherever you're listening, whether that's Apple, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere, pretty much everywhere that you could possibly be, wherever you are, just make sure you hit that follow question or follow question, follow button so that you guys can hear and make sure you get the pod as soon as it's released. We tend to try to release them at 6 a.m. on Monday mornings, Eastern Daylight Savings Time, as we are currently at. But, you know, 
sometimes things get a little, little delayed like they did last week. So, But we're going to be on time this week, and we're going to dive straight into this show after I let you know about all the other awesome <laughs> stuff that C2C has to offer you guys, especially our CFF team, myself, Brandon here, Nate Marquise, Chris Moxley. We make up the CFF team for Campus of Canton. We're providing you guys tons of content, whether that's podcasts, articles, ranking, CFF ADP, more to come from there. And then again, we're providing tools for you guys. The draft predictor tool is one of the, my proudest things I've ever been able to build for this space. Absolutely go check it out, you guys. ADP is awesome, but that draft predictor tool takes it just an extra step forward and really gives you an idea of the likelihood of when a player is going to be taken as well. And it changes as the draft is kind of going along. So if you are in the fifth round and you want to know if a player gets there into the sixth round, it's going to be a different percentage chance of them getting there rather than if you were just creating a tool that was measuring it from the first pick of the first round. It changes as it goes. It's a pretty awesome tool. I really, really enjoy it. And then in addition to all that, the Campus to Campus podcast team, tons of great stuff for you guys every week. On Mondays, you have myself with the Chase and Natty podcast. On Tuesdays, you have Campus Life with Austin Nace and Colin Decker. That is the college side of the Campus Canton flagship podcast. Wednesday nights, you have Debbie Debate live streamed on YouTube with Felix Sharp, Matt Bruning, Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley. On Thursdays, you have the Canton Bound podcast with Austin Nace and Colin Decker. That is the NFL side of the flagship Campus Canton podcast. You also have the official with Alfred Fernandez, Matt Powell, and David Nipple. They've been doing a fantastic job of interviewing tons of players for this next upcoming recruiting class. And speaking of recruiting classes, you have the Future Freshman podcast with Brandon Sanders on YouTube and podcast form. Uh, been on a little bit of a break, but Brandon, I know for a fact you guys are coming back hard this up next upcoming week. So I'm mm-hmm. very much looking forward to that. Um, and then, yeah, that pretty much covers all the the major podcasts we have with uh, Campus Kent right now. Always go check out on that feed. There's always great stuff just kind of getting dropped here and there. Uh, player interviews. Speaking of player interviews, go check out on the Chase and the Natty podcast feed. We met, We were able to uh, interview Stefan Cobbs, wide receiver out of Boise State. Huge shout out, by the way, to Luke Probasco uh, for setting that up and everything. He is a he, dude is a wizard with his connections and how he's able to get in contact with some of these players. We were able to talk to Stefan, covered a whole variety of stuff versus just how it, how he's developing, what's it like in Boise, um, dropping nuggets here and there, what he thinks the season's going to be like. Absolutely go check it out. It's just a 15 minute listen. Great stuff all around. Oh, and by the way, he likes bowling. Love that about Stefan Cox. Um, I also found out that he's a Mirage main on Apex, which is uh, fun for me because I also play Apex. So, nice. With that being said, I think that pretty much covers your spiel. Yeah, we're about seven minutes in. Probably just go ahead and get started into the actual questions here. So again, we've got a wide variety of questions here. So we'll get started on this first one. First one here is from Justin Nottingham, also known as Sprague. And his question is, what are your thoughts on taking a group of five players with tough non-conference schedules to start the year with? Like three of the four are probably not playable. I feel like we talked about this quite a bit recently, like on just on the Twitter sphere and then just other pods and everything. Yeah. We're mostly talking about Kent State here because Kent State is a masochist when it comes to their players and they schedule them like the toughest of games. Like this year, they are playing in their first four games Oklahoma, Georgia, and Washington. And I think they have like a little bit of a break within those first four games. Because uh, I think they play like a, like VMI or something like that. Mm-hmm. But even so, like 
just you're not starting a Kent State player in that game. But we have a lot of people drafting guys like Colin Schley and um, Marquez Cooper, Dante Cephas. Like these are all guys that are getting drafted relatively high. And so you're wondering, like, are they worth it at that high? And to me, yes. But you have to know what you're getting into with them. These are none of these guys are going to be people that you're drafting as your first running back on your team, although they could be your best running back on your team by season's end. Uh, you got to know which guys you're going to be you're going to be drafting in order to kind of make up for those early week um, games. And that could be done a variety of ways. SEC games almost always start those first four games and everything. Very often they're playing like at least one FCS team. They're talking they're at least one group of five team. Plenty of opportunity to just pick up a guy for a week and start him for a week. Uh, even a Vanderbilt player, maybe like if they're playing like somebody mm-hmm. low bound, you could probably pick them up and have pretty good value for just that week. Stream some guys in the early weeks, or just draft some guys that you know are going to have strong first four weeks. So, like I said, maybe grab some SEC players or other group or other Power Five guys while they're playing lesser competition. Um, but back to these group of five guys and everything. You just got to treat them like investments. They're going to be great for you down the stretch. In fact, I got two here that I kind of want to talk about where, um, again, they could help you win leagues down the line because of just when they're playing against, like, it's, again, talking Kent State here, but then when they're playing other MAC teams, you're going to love them. So the two I got here are Bryant Kobach. He finishes the RB8 last year. Started off the season as RB27, RB31, RB121, and RB... Um, RB75 and then RB29. Not great starts for the most part. RB29, RB27, that's pretty decently. But again, there's some weeks in there you're just disappointed. But how did he finish the season? RB6, RB14, RB1, RB5. Are you telling me that because he doesn't start off well in those first four weeks that you're not going to want that value down the stretch? Hell no. Put your team, build your team around it, find some guys who will get you some early value in those first four weeks. And go from there. Another one. Dustin Crum finishes QB 14 last year. Started off the season. QB 93. QB 42. QB 99. QB 66. Again, it's Kent State. They're just obliterating their guys in those first four weeks. You did not want to start Crum any of those first four weeks. But how did he finish? QB 3. QB 30. QB 14. QB 5. QB 48. Not great, but even so. QB 27. QB 21. Boom. You love that finish right there. And he finishes the QB 14. So are you going to not draft him? It's kind of the same thing. It's like, would you not invest in a talented freshman in Dynasty League because you may have to wait a year or two? Like, just go ahead and pick up these guys and just understand you're going to have to wait a little bit before you really see their value come back for you. So Brandon, I went on a long spiel there. What's your thoughts overall on this? Well, the good thing is you hit on a lot of the stuff that I was going to, which is great. First, shout out to Justin. It's good to hear from you, buddy. Hit me up in the DMs. It's been a good while. He's a CFF contributor on Patreon back in the day. Uh, Justin's a big Central Michigan guy, so I liked it because I used the Mac because he can kind of relate to the Mac as well. So I also said, if you're going to take a guy like a Nichols, uh, Hassan Badoon, Schley, any of those guys in the Mac, it's, uh, they're, if they're playing these big teams, they're, they are useless. Like It's hard to do it unless you have no other choice and you have to play them. Hopefully, you've set yourself up you know, for success, we don't have to do that. If not, I'm still with the same strategy as Jared. You take what I call a player for hire. You go find the waivers or, um, you know, you go find a guy that has a better matchup in that one. So hopefully you've you know drafted a wide receiver, running back, quarterback, whoever it is that you have. 
as your QB three, RB three, wide receiver three, do you play them or do you go looking for, you know, a waiver wire pickup and hopefully it's not week one and you have to deal with that basically. Um, so hopefully you can get someone you can plug and play because yeah, these four, this first four weeks, like Jerry was saying, it's not going to be fun, but the eight weeks you get out of production past that is worth every single penny that you would put, you know, get to give the production as well. Um, you know, so either way it's, it's worth picking them up. I wouldn't just, you know, completely ignore them or not take them just because of the first four weeks, you know, you just got to do your due justice, do your research, find a matchup that you can just plug and play and then put these guys in, you know, week five and let the good times roll. And then you have really solid production at that position. So I completely agree with that uh, sentiment. And I think that's the way to go. It's just to make sure you got your bases covered, have the, um, you know, the, the depth that you need, regardless of it's dynasty or three draft and just make sure that you plan ahead when you take in these guys. So. Yeah, pretty much. I pretty much covered all the bases that I didn't touch on. So we'll go ahead and move on to the next one. Next question here comes from our good friend CK at CoPeeps on, I'm pretty sure I said that wrong, but he's at CoPeeps on Twitter. And he asks, we don't talk a lot about CFF, DST, defensive special teams, if you don't know what I mean by that much. But they can score a lot of points in CFF. I know several leagues of, of mine that I've seen where defenses start with 30 points. Yep. I know some leagues that they start with 15, but even still, that can help you out a ton week mm-hmm. to week. What's your philosophy on CFF DSTs? Would you rather grab an elite one, something like Georgia, Bama, Clemson, and ride them most weeks? Or would you stream a bad offense or a stream a defense against a bad offense each week? Something like Iowa State versus Southeast Missouri week one, for example, every week. Brandon, I'm going to let you start off on this one. What are your thoughts on this? Sure. So uh, I categorize this and depending on uh, how your format is. So in redraft, I'm really big on playing the matchups when it comes to the DST. Uh, so picking up on, or picking on the smaller schools or schools that are having a hard time, you know, as offense. So for example, I, in redraft, I look for the people that were playing Missouri per Missouri couldn't do anything as far as passing. All they had was Tyler Batty. It's a different year for Missouri, but I played the defense that played against them, or I'd find a Mac school that had to go up against, you know, one of these bigger um, P5 schools. And I would do that, for example. That's how I play in redraft because in redraft, it's only a year. So I don't invest as much. Whereas in dynasty, I invest a lot more. So for me, I, uh, in a few leagues, I go like, for me, I have like Texas A&M in Iowa because I look at teams that have the prestige and defense for a long period of time and a good track record. I also look into, here's a plug, Bill Connolly's S&P Plus. Or if you want to go check out uh, Nick, uh, CFB Winning Edge, they have the returning production as far as your defense. So look for veteran defensive teams that play with each other for a long period of time or has good recruits that are coming in to kind of replace that all the time. So it's a different scenario. But for me in Dynasty, I want something I can hold on to long term. For example, Texas A&M has a killer class that's coming in. So I'm, I'm good to go for like another probably four, you know, maybe three years as far as defense is concerned. Uh, Iowa is a good plug and play because we're allowed to have two defenses as far as in our dynasty league personally. So I made sure I had teams that I could just stick with long term. But in redraft, I'm picking, uh, you know, you just pick again. It's the bully method, basically, when it comes to redraft for me personally. So what's your take on it, man? It's your same sentiment or do you have a different strategy usually? Uh, firstly, how many of us have bullied a uh, UConn over the years of just picking uh-huh. the defense that just plays them every single week? Yeah. Um, and also, I didn't, I didn't really think about the idea of it being like redraft versus dynasty, but that is a pretty good point. So what I do 
is different than what I would expect other people to do, which is going to sound weird, but I'll explain here in a second because it's just a personal thing. Um, the optimal thing to me is I agree with you, Brandon. Stream every single week, especially if it's redraft. Just you don't need to like you don't need to, like you don't or it's like it's just as good, if not better, than picking a elite defense and just right. riding them each week. So therefore, it's not really worth you reaching up and grabbing. Uh, an elite defense every single week uh, in a redraft. But I personally do kind of tend to reach up and grab an elite defense, mostly because I am very good with my teams, like uh, managing them and stuff like that. I always forget to check the DST. I always yeah. forget to check whether I need <laughs> to pick one up off the waiver wire when I stream or I realize way too late that we're in the middle of a Saturday slate and I still have Kentucky and all of a sudden they're playing Bama that week, and I'm like, uh. oh, geez. Because like, Kentucky played Vanderbilt the week before, and then all of a sudden they're playing Bama, and you're like, ah, that's an yeah. L. That's yeah. an L right there. So I personally try to pick one like Bama, Clemson, Georgia, knowing I'm going to get pretty decent amount each week. But again, like in terms of the actual advice I give people, I'd say like just understand matchups. That's, all, that's mostly what CFF is at the end of the day, is just understanding which matchups to play and everything. If you can do that, you're going to have a better return on streaming different defenses week in and week out. And every once in a while, you'll like stream a defense week in and week out, and then you'll just stumble upon an elite defense. Like um, mm-hmm. two years ago, I believe it was, might be three now, I picked up Wisconsin DST. Yeah. And they went on a run of like four shutouts in like five or six weeks. And it was amazing having them every single week. So, like, I was planning on streaming that year. But, again, I just picked up the Wisconsin defense because they did well the week before. And then I'm like, hmm, this, this, could, this could play out really well for me. So, yeah. again, just like most things in fantasy, you just kind of play it by ear a little bit. But in terms of mm-hmm. just in a vacuum, I would recommend to people stream a defense each week. And don't really worry about reaching up for one of those guys. Yeah, I think we get that from the uh, NFL fantasy mindset, too, because I do the same thing Mm -hmm. because I want to spend more time investing in the players versus the defense. And I know that, you know, we're all offensive minded because we're scoring points from the positions. But it's true. You can get a, uh, you know, a higher tier wide receiver running back by waiting on defense and just streaming them. Uh, You know, I get that concept from NFL fantasy, but it can be done in in FBS only because you have 132 teams now that you can choose from. So uh, I still think it's very plausible, especially in redraft, but in dynasty, I'm kind of in the same mindset, find elite defense and stick to them basically if you can. All righty. I think we've talked enough about a defense and special teams. Let's go ahead and move on to the third question here. All righty. One of our team members here, Chris Moxley at Chris Moxley 19 on Twitter. Ask one player outside the top 15 rounds that has a case for a first overall positional finish. Mm. I have two names here because I, I, we don't have a ton of ADP past the 15th round and everything. And not a lot of the guys that were past the 15th round struck me as guys that I'm going to be. I got one sleeper at. for you. It's going to be good. All right. My, <laughs> my two here. First of all, Trey Palmer, wide receiver out of Nebraska. Yes. You can say Marcus Fleming as well. Honestly, whichever one you prefer. The top wide receiver in that offense is going to be the beneficiary of Mark Whip of the Mark Whip offense, which loves to feed their number one wide receiver. Trey Palmer is coming from LSU. He's going to have better QB play, in my opinion, this year uh, with Casey Thompson at quarterback than he did last year. Um, and then also he's got a good, 
recruiting pedigree. He was a four-star, borderline five-star recruit, if I remember correctly off the top of my head. And then we just got to remember the last year, Jordan Addison finished as the wide receiver two during the regular season last year. So, and again, Addison's a freak. Addison's going to be a first-round wide receiver. Don't get me wrong. I think that's part of it. But if you're asking for, like, again, we're this late. Everybody's going to have some question marks and everything. But if there's a potential here, I think Trey Palmer's a great sleeper here. And I think he could very well be a very big beneficiary of that offense. The other one I'm going to throw out here, again, system, system, system. Jarrett Dougie, quarterback out of Western Kentucky, going after the 15th round. He's not going to have an ADP of round 16 much longer. No, uh, but he's the, inheritor, in, the inheritor of the Kitley offense at Western Kentucky. I know not very talented. We all are very disappointed what he did at Western uh, at West Virginia. But again, they're still going to be running that Kitley offense there at Western Kentucky, even though he's moved on to Texas Tech. There, a lot of people's jobs there depend on it. And so I think just from a sheer volume standpoint, Dougie could very well... St- uh, it, if Dougie proves us wrong in how talented he is and how well he can run that system, why not expect him to do what Bailey Zappi did last year? Maybe not to the same degree, but even still... Even if... Um, let me look at last year's stats and everything. Like, Bailey Zappi was the QB1 by a pretty good margin last year, if I remember yeah, correctly. He was right on up there with, like, almost Lamar Jackson-type numbers as yeah, far he, as overall he, in history, he too. He beat so. Malik Cunningham by about 30 points last year for That's QB1. Cunningham yeah. went off, too. So I was saying, and, like, the week... Yeah. So, and if, if Cunningham hadn't been... And had that crazy week and everything, he still would have beaten the next guy by about thirty points. Yeah. So, like, it's possible to me that, like, even if there's like a slight tick down, it's still po- maybe a QB one performance there. But again, there's still question marks. Obviously, we're past round fifteen. Everybody's gonna have major question marks. But even still, like, Dougie, I think has the potential to be a very much a league winner after round fifteen. So, Brandon, give me your sleeper. So, actually, Dougie was gonna be one of my choices of the guys that I was actually looking into. One, great question to Mr. Mox. I like that he likes to make me think outside the box. So thank you for doing that. Also, he wants a case. So I'm going to give the man a case. And this is one that we're, as a community, we're not all going to like, but we need to pay attention. And that is the newest RB to land at UTSA, and that's Mr. Traylon Smith. Uh, I like Ty Edwards a lot. Don't get me wrong. and But I think it cloudies the situation. But here's where, I, here's where I'm coming from. So just hear me out, and I'll let, I'll let Jared do his thing. So... Uh, <laughs> You know, he's a pedigree coming out of the SEC. Last time he played Conference USA, he played, you know, against Rice, and he tore him up for over 100 yards, a touchdown, four receptions and something yards, and went for 16.5 fantasy points. So if Traylon Smith can do that on an average if he takes the role, and I'm assuming that he's probably not going to come to the school unless he's been promised at least opportunity to start, you know, he still has to compete. Ty Edwards is an absolute beast. I'm not saying that, you know, Ty Edwards goes away. This could be RBBC to start, but – if Traylon Smith can, you know, push himself into a RB1A role type situation, then look what he's capable of doing in the Conference USA. We all are looking for the Sincere McCormick replacement. Sincere McCormick, I believe, was what, a top 12 back, if I'm not mistaken, if not top 20? He was so, the running back. I just saw him. Where'd he go? Uh, he was he the has, running back 21 last year. Okay. So he might not be first overall, but I think he can climb and probably get the beat meeps up there to probably possibly a top 15 type running back situation if they go that. If it goes committee, then this is a wash. But I wanted to make the case in point that if you have a kid like this that has the pedigree that just decided to come down and play, uh, you know, in a different school close there in the south, this might be the opportunity for Traylon Smith to kind of make himself relevant. And he's not being drafted at all because he was, you know, 
no one knew where he was going. He finally finds a lining spot. So now we just have to see how the summer plays out. Uh, I know that hurts your heart a little bit because of Ty Edwards. I'm a Ty Edwards guy too. Don't get me wrong, but Traylon Smith could be an option, especially not being drafted at all. So I wanted to come with a deep sleeper. So what's your thoughts on Traylon and what's your thoughts on him possibly being like a top 15 back if allowed, basically? I mean, the question was first overall at the position. I think yeah. there's no way in hell Traylon <laughs> yeah. Smith That's a bit is of a first reach. overall at the running back position because th- let's look at last year the rb you said six you said against conference usa competition he scored 16.1 points fantasy points yeah fantasy against points. rice so Brees hall against everybody not against 20 something 27.78 yeah that's what you have to do in order to be able to be the rb1 and then again if you're in conference usa uh i I, now that you're mentioning this, I'm going to pull up the UTSA football schedule for this year. Yeah. So, like, I and want to see, like, I who, think it's a little bit more competitive this year for them. So, they got Houston to start things off. They got Army. They're Oof. going to slow them down. Yeah. Texas, week three. Yikes. Like, these are, these are tough games. You're Texas starting can't off tackle. With. No offense to Texas fans, but. I mean, okay. <laughs> you got me on that. But even still, it's an up it's up in competition. Yes. I, I, there's, and again, like Ty Edwards, I still think I still think Ty Edwards is the RB one here. Yeah, he can Traylon, still start. Traylon Smith is a nice, like smaller change of pace back, but I think Ty Edwards is the bigger back who can handle a bigger load. I again, it's a fun idea. I'm gonna heavily disagree with you. That's Go fine. ahead and draft Traylon Smith on every one of our leagues as the RB one, Brandon. <laughs> I will not be drafting him at all. I will be taking him on waivers. I'm just throwing the narrative out there. Just don't sleep on Traylon Smith. Like if he's on the waivers, put him on the watch list. Is he gonna be one? Maybe not, but hey, we're looking at outside the top 15 rounds. So, and I didn't want to go Jared Dudge. So I had to do outside the box. So Chris, thanks for making me think outside, but just think on it and chew on it that Traylon Smith might be an issue or might be a problem for Ty Edwards. I'm just putting it out there in the space. So, All right. <laughs> Let's move on to the next question here. Next one comes from Lepo. Uh, literally, that's just his name. And then yep. his Twitter handle is at Lepo, but instead of a dash, there's an underscore. Ooh, fancy. Um, anyway, his question. With the latest story about Jock and Fam's fantasy football fight making headlines, have you ever had any fantasy football-related squabbles before? Team Jock slash Team Fam, like which one are we? Do you use injury designations to maneuver slash manipulate your roster? Is it a bad time for me to say that I have hardly kept up with this drama? <sighs> no. Like, I... <laughs> Like I whatever first of all whatever their arguments I'm not gonna be on the side of the guy who threw the punch because that's what I gathered is that one of them threw a punch like at a baseball mm-hmm. game or something like that uh, so I'm not gonna be on like guys fantasy football is supposed to be fun if you are getting to the point where you are literally threatening to punch somebody over <laughs> a what's supposed to be just like a fun league between friends and everything right. you need to take a break that's all I that's <laughs> that is all I'm gonna say. Um, so I'm going to move a little bit past the whole like details of like whatever's going on there because I don't I, I'm sorry y'all, I don't know what's going on it didn't seem like it was something I need to put a ton of time and effort into now in terms of fantasy football related squabbles before again nothing that ever re- involved anybody throwing a punch thank god but um, before I set up the um, the backup form system and everything like that I've definitely had people getting really really pissed at me about the like a player like being designated as injured and then all of a sudden they are playing and so they took them out and then you have other players who just got scratched and then they mm-hmm. got a zero for that week and I'm sitting there saying like guys I'm sorry I don't 
I don't have any system set up or anything like that to replace this. And so they've definitely gotten angry at me about that before. But again, nothing that's thrown about a punch or anything. But it was enough for me to create the backup system. And then do I use injury designations to maneuver slash manipulate your roster? I mean, if a, here's my mindset when it comes to injury reserves. If a player loses their injury designation, they shouldn't be on the IR. And that's on the commissioner to keep track of that and to make sure people are doing that. But until then, you're free to put players on the IR if they have a, de- a injury designation, whether it's fair or not. If the system allows that, I think it's fair to put them on the IR and then you can replace them with somebody else on your roster. Like, I think that's perfectly fair game. What are your thoughts overall on this, Brandon? Again, a lot to unpack here. Yeah. So, one, I had to look this up because if it's not the Braves or my minor league baseball team locally, then I really don't care about baseball until it happens. Uh, but to answer the question, when it comes to uh, fan track, certain players or certain players are tagged with various skill possessions. So they can be a tight end, a running back, or quarterback, wide receiver, or wide receiver and a quarterback, say like an Isaiah Williams there out of Illinois, for example. So it's important to vote and talk to your uh, your league mates and make sure the commission is in the know and aware of some things like this in particular as well. Um, but in the past, uh, it has caused some league mates to be unsettling. I mean, there was one I meant midseason, uh, and I'll tell you my mentality, but you know, it caused some of the league people in one of a dynasty league to, you know, talk to our commissioner, uh, you know, CFF insiders and was like, hey, what do you think about this designation? So it was brought up, but, you know, and it came from one of the people just thought it was kind of unfair. I get it. I know where the guy's coming from. But at the same time, like we were able to bring it up, discuss it midseason, and then yeah. we we're able to vote on it this past offseason. Now we're like, hey, it is what it is in there as well. But, uh, you know, for me, I say play ball. Like if it's in the designation and it's in the rules, you know, the Fantrax has. And if you guys agree to let the good times roll, then just kind of let it happen. You know, like, uh, you know, our good friend Andrew Katz there burned the red shirt. He had that tight end slash running back from Rice and he played him against me and he smashed me for 30 points, you know, but I liked it because I love the competitiveness. So I thought that was smart because I was trying to get him, but Katz beat me on waivers. So he did what he had to do and he won that week. So I thought it was super cool. So I didn't, you know, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I mean, if you're going to lose, might as well lose out to a tight end slash running back, you know, from a random conference USA school. Right. Uh, but in NFL dynasty, I've done it as well. Like uh, I've played keep away against my league mates. Like if they're on the IR and the designation is there, take advantage of that, you know, pull that away. And now you have another waiver spot. You have another spot on your roster that you can grab. Yeah. Same thing when it comes to fan track. So like I say, my mentality is if it says play ball, then play ball if it's allowed. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. So have I maneuvered and manipulated rosters absolutely but as long as it's in the rules you're good you know but talk to your league mates and make sure your commission is uh all for it first before doing this type of stuff so don't get kicked out of your league so yeah the only the only time i've ever been like miffed about something is when like a player's on your ir and they lose their injury designation and then a person keeps them on that ir for like multiple weeks after that point and i'm like okay Mm -hmm. that's a problem because that's not using the ir correctly but again, like in terms of Jock, Fam, I have no I clue, y'all. I have no all clue. I know is, all I know is Mike Trout was the league commissioner. So that's on Mike Trout to make sure that his league mates know the rules. So Mike Trout, get on the ball with that, man. That's all I can tell you. I don't know the rest. So. <laughs> Attaboy. Love, love that mentality. Put it all on the commissioner, says the person commissioning way too many leagues. All right, um, yeah. let's go ahead and move sure. on. Next question here we got uh, from the friend of the show, Mr. Luke Probosco. Again, shout out to Luke for setting up the interview mm-hmm. with us. Uh, uh, Stefan Cobbs. Uh, he asked, How do you really feel 
about Cameron Ward. Talking C2C, redraft, CFF dynasty values. Like, how do we really feel about this? So, Brandon, I think it's been a minute since you've started, so I'm going to let you start on this. So first, when Luke put really, I really did sit back for like a good couple minutes and really went into my feelings about Cameron Ward. So here's here's the truth. Did Personally, you like go the shrine and everything? Did you like really like dig deep on your feelings about him, Brandon? Was there a love note involved there? No love notes. Actually, it's more of a uh, let's start out slow and then we maybe can progress to a full time relationship. You know that type of mentality. Okay, okay. So okay, so you're not so, really trying to sweep him off his feet like as soon as no, you get into no. it. Okay, no, that's it. all Drake May. Drake May has my heart. But anyway, I personally... For those of you still with us. <laughs> yeah, this is not a dating show, I promise. Uh, so personally, I'm a tag concerned about uh, the jump from Incarnate Word to Washington State. And I know you're, you're going to address that in some of your stuff as well. But I have to, but I have to admit that deep down. Uh, I get it, it's the Pac-12, but it is fiercer competition than Conference USA, which we saw uh, Zappy in the tops, you know, as they came into that. So we've seen the blueprint that has happened before. However, uh, and you'll bring this up too, uh, it comes with the coach and now the top wide receiver from Incarnate World. So there's a lot of familiarity in a kind of the same blueprint that Western Kentucky did when they moved up from the FCS, from you know the their Baptist school up to FBS. But this is the Pac-12, so I, I am concerned a little bit because you are going up against a Lincoln Riley. You know, you're going up against Oregon, who has a decent defense and stuff like that as well. Um, so but it has the making. So what I'm getting at is uh, you've got to take the risk to earn the reward. So it's why um in dynasty he's my top he's still my top five supplemental like i'm not gonna far away is he my 101 probably not i think he is for you um but he is definitely my top five uh and in redraft he keeps climbing a bit too much for my liking i don't like that i was hoping to get him at a better value so for me personally in my strategy i might not have a lot of cam reward but best believe i'm gonna have at least one maybe two of his receivers and i'll just pick you know random ones as the redraft goes on and stuff like that and hopes that one of them hits for sure so i think uh ward proves himself and in c2c i know he's taken highly but i guarantee you if he does well this season then they're going to take a sigh of relief because it is uh what i like to call and what sums this up when i'm getting at is high risk high reward so we don't know yet cameron ward's the question mark just like quinn years there at texas we gotta wait and see but uh it's all shaping up to be good i'm just slightly cautious in redraft but in dynasty if he's in supplemental go take him uh, it's worth the it's worth the risk for me personally so that's where i'm at what's your thoughts on uh on ward here i think he's a stud who's going to light it up in the pack 12 this year again when josh was on the show when we were talking supplemental players he got me to pause a little bit when it comes to fcs the history of fcs qbs jumping up to the pack 12 mm-hmm. and I, I thought it was a good point but how many of them have transferred to the Pac-12 with their position coaches, with their system, with one of their top targets from last year, and get an upgrade of the weapons they get to use around them? Because again, like Lincoln Victor, um, Renard Bell, Dejon Stripling, these are all guys that are studs for Washington State. So I think he's going to have plenty of guys to work with. Uh, he, to me, again, to me, he's just set up for success and his volume, again, based on this system and everything, is going to provide at least a nice floor for him. CFF Dynasty, I think he's a 101 in supplemental only drafts, unless Quinn Ewers is available, of which case, go for Quinn Ewers. Yeah, don't worry about sure. Cameron Ward until after that. But even still, like, again, when it come, when you add the freshman in there and everything, again, I'm going Nicholas Singleton, but like yeah. all that good jazz, I think Cameron Ward is very much up there. C to C. I think he's going too high in C2C leagues, mostly because I value him more as a college producer than an NFL guy. 
Mm-hmm. I think he certainly has upside. Like, clearly, like, he has a ton of just raw athleticism and ability. But he only started playing QB, like, five minutes ago. Right. Like, real QB five minutes ago. And we've seen the NFL also not really value these guys that put up in put up these big numbers in these air raid-esque systems. Some of them hit in the NFL. Like, you got guys like Gardner Minshew. Um, Bailey Zappi, I think, could be interesting as a, like, a um, career backup in the NFL and everything. But none of these guys are going like the first, second, third round that you would want to in like a C2C league in order to value them as NFL assets. I think at max, he's a fourth round NFL QB. And so like, to me, he's going way too high in C2C leagues right now. That's the only knock I'll put on Cameron Ward. Yeah, uh, I mean, because you're looking at NFL level. I mean, look, Zappi is a smart kid and he, he plays really good football. And I think he's a great backup there at New England. I think, you know, as a, what's his name has been there for all the Hoyer has been there for all these years. He's finally, you know, moving on and stuff like that. You finally have a really good, you know, you know person that could take on the the system and probably learn it fairly easy, just like uh, Mac Jones did. So, yeah. you know, in case Mac Jones is sick or he's, you know, not doing too hot or whatever, I think Zappy's good replacement, but that's probably where we're looking at with Cameron Ward too. So, I mean, that's where kind of what I'm yeah. getting at. It's like, I don't know if he's a starter in the league. So like you're taking, but it's again, high risk, high reward. But in, in the college aspect for C2C, heck yeah. I mean, for whatever oh, yeah. the, what, what the year, two years that we have left with him, it's worth it just so you can dominate over on that side if he hits. So this is what we're hoping, you know, so. Yeah, pretty much. That's how I really feel about yes, Cameron that's Ward. how we really feel, Luke, okay? <laughs> but I try to hide anything, Luke. I do think yeah. Cameron Ward's a stud. But thank you for making me contemplate. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's move on here. This was one of the more interesting questions I think we've gotten because it's a very different type of league, but it's one I've kind of like thought about before and everything where it's like, I, I do the conference only best balls every year, but this, these guys took it to a whole nother level. And I, this is the smart thing to do if like, so again, let me, let me explain what this league is. It's an SEC only dynasty league. Mm-hmm. So first of all, this is part of the beauty of college fantasy you can customize leagues like this and make it work for you. If you are guys that you don't give two rats butts about what's going on in the SEC, but man, you love those Mac schools and you love those Big Ten schools and like that's where all the trash talk happens between you and your friends and everything, make a league on just those schools. Why not? Even Anyway, past that, SEC-only Dynasty League. This guy needs a QB. This is Tommy Hauser, by the way, at GT Hauser on Twitter. He, he says, I need a QB. I draft number four overall. I'm thinking Dart or Jackson Dart, Jameer Gibbs, and Zach Evans go ahead of me. Do I take Spencer Rattler at the number four spot or anyone else you'd ranked higher from the incoming freshman slash transfer side? So you got to remember here. Transfers are more valuable here in the supplemental drafts because, again, they weren't already owned because they were in a different conference last year. So guys like Jameer Gibbs, like you're sitting there thinking like, how are you in a dynasty league and Jameer Gibbs is not on someone's roster? Well, that's because he wasn't in the SEC last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, that's a big drop off from those first three guys who would instantly go to Rattler at QB at number four. Granted, again, he says he needs a QB and I did ask him a little bit further. He says the only quarterback he has on his roster is Luke Altmaier at Ole Miss. And so if... Yes. Altmaier does become the starting quarterback for Ole Miss. That could be a hit there, but also, oh boy, that's a lot of risk. So, Brandon, how we're going to answer this question is, basically, I have a list of seven guys here. We're going to run through these relatively quickly, and I want you to tell me, you're on a QB needy team. Would you take Rattler 
or would you take the guy I'm going to list? Sure, go for it. So we'll start here first. We'll start with other quarterbacks I think he could consider. Ty Simpson, quarterback out of Alabama. Five-star quarterback going to Alabama this year. Probably not going to start, but would you take him and the upside he brings a year or two down the line, or would you go with Spencer Rattler and just get a guaranteed starter now? Um, it depends on his construction, so he'd have to elaborate a little bit more, but I would take Ty Simpson personally. That, that would be a go-to for me, just because systems and the next Alabama quarterback, if you hit on the right one, you got gold for the next three years, so. Yeah, and again, I think the other thing I, need, I want to point out here is that Rattler isn't like this guaranteed QB to be like a... No, we still have to wait and see, yeah. We, we don't know what that system's going to look like fully. We don't know how much they're going to put the ball in his hands. We don't know how successful they're going to be. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out. All right, next quarterback here, Jalen Milrow, quarterback out of Alabama. Um, would you take Rattler or would you take Milrow here? Uh Probably Milrow, because I'm taking the shot on the same one, just like Simpson, hoping that, you know, one yep. of these guys become the starter. So regardless, you, you'll you hit or you'll miss, but with the two, you got to take the upside. So it's Alabama, so I have to take the, the both of them over, over Rattler. No offense to Rattler. This one might be a little bit more uh, even for you. We got quarterback mm-hmm. Sam Horn going to Missouri, freshman quarterback going to – four-star quarterback going to Missouri. And then you got Spencer Rattler again. Which would you rather have? So I know we had another Missouri player coming up. So let's let me do, do the spiel real quick. So for me, I'm I'm you can take value with Horn because Horn might drop because a lot of people aren't aware of Sam Horn or for some reason That's he's flying under the radar, which I don't think he should be because the kid is very talented. So you could probably take him not at the four. What I'd recommend is the next guy on your list is Luther Burden, uh, of course, the wide receiver, Missouri a Swiss army knife, a Debo Samuel esque type player. That's going to get all the touches in the world. And I, I get it. He had, you know, his follow-up in his question is that he's worried about burden transferring out, but honestly, like if he does, he might go to Alabama or Georgia, but that still keeps you in the sec. So I don't feel like you have to be too concerned with that. Um, so I would take burden personally, but I would take Sam Horn, especially in the next couple of rounds for sure, because I think that stack would be fantastic. And now you have a really strong quarterback wide receiver duo for the SEC for the next at least couple of years, for sure. Yeah, I would say out of the four guys so far, the only one I would take probably Rattler over is Sam Horn, mostly because, again, I don't know what the upside of the Missouri system is going to give me, even with a talented guy like mm-hmm. Sam Horn. So it's like I got a t- talented guy in Rattler in a system I don't know about in South Carolina, but he's a guaranteed starter. Or I take a talented guy at Missouri who probably won't even start this year in a system I don't know about. I'm going to probably take Rattler there. Mm-hmm. So next guy on the list here, we got Montro Johnson running back out of florida transferred from louisiana following billy napier there do you take him or do you take spencer rattler at the number four for me i'm I'm still concerned about the running backs at florida because i mean they're they're all going to jock for position i get it that he's got the fast track but rattler is the starter so this is where i would start probably taking rattler over some of these guys that we have next so no fair we got one last guy here i thought would be kind of interesting tyler harrell wide receiver out of alabama Transferred from Louisville, one of the fastest guys in college football from what it seems like, going to Mm -hmm. Alabama, again, becoming a wide receiver at Alabama. Do you take him or do you take the shot on Rattler? That's tough. On a QB needy team out there as well. I'll probably lean Rattler because of the need. Uh, but if there was no need there, it would it would be hard not to pass up on Harold for sure. So I would agree. The upside of upside of Harold in a vacuum would probably make me lean towards Harold. Yeah. But even so uh, Tommy, I hope that answers your question. Again, we've talked about several other guys you could probably take there. You heard our brief arguments on each one of them. 
Um, so yeah, there's I think there's better options, but if you want to compete this year, probably Rattler's a decent way to go. We'll see. Yeah, I was saying in mind, like if if I personally fade Rattler, but at the same time, like if he's if that his gut decision, he needs to go with his gut. So I mean, like if Rattler's the, your guy and you're like, I need immediate production, then skip all of what we just said and go with Rattler, but at the same time, go with your gut, basically is what I'm getting at. Alrighty. Let's move on to the next one here are from our friends over at the Burning the Red Shirt podcast. They are asking, who are you fading in 2022 that others are very high on? Knowing the BTR guys, they mean like a true fade here. Like, it's not, oh, I'm going to take him a round or two after probably everybody else's. This is like, no, I'm not. You're going to see me pass up on him as many rounds as possible. Uh, and to that, I don't really have any of the top guys that I truly, truly fade. Like, I, pretty much all of them, I have a point that I'm willing to take a shot on them. But I have a few guys that I'm pretty close on. I've said it multiple times. I really think that Brandon Armstrong, even though he's dropped quite a bit over the last few months, I still think he's going too high. I think that awesome, that offensive system could really bottom out for him this year. So I'm probably going to pass on Brandon Armstrong, and I'm not going to own any of him this year. Uh, the other one that kind of came to mind here was Tank Bigsby would be the closest true fade RB that I have. I think he had his chance to get out of a bad situation last year when he could have hit the portal, but instead he chose to stay. I really think that's going to come back to haunt him. Because again, like everybody's like, oh, we've seen Harson RBs do really well in the past. I'm like, well, yeah, but what did he do last year? Right. Like he had his chance last year to prove to me that he could really truly utilize Tank Bigsby. And whoo boy, I did not like what I saw there. So. Yeah. Those are my guys that I'm fading. Brandon, who do you have as your fades? All right, so this is going to hurt a little bit. So I don't like saying this much out loud because I don't want to jinx it, but I am jumping off the Lou Nichols wagon, especially with the return of Kobe Lewis. Um, and there is some changes in the coaching position uh, for the prices going in drafts, which is still the first round. Yes, it's later in the first now, but that's still too high for my taste. And that does bring a concern uh, and seeing, you know, depth charts and looking at, you know, what, What's, what's there to come and stuff like that, uh, it's a no for me. So I would personally fade Lou Nichols, and that hurts my heart because he was an absolute stud last year, and I loved having him in one of my redraft leagues. But uh, the return of Kobe Lewis and the coaching change muddies the waters, and to be in the bottom of the first, or I can't do that, man. If he was going second and third, for sure, I would take the, I would take the plunge. But right now it's too rich for my blood, so I have to fade Lou Nichols a little bit. Let me see in these last two mocks that I've been doing where Lou Nichols went. So Lou Nichols in one of the drafts went, I got to remember, it, he went 2-2, so probably too high okay. for you. Still a little bit, yeah. And then he went, where is he in the second? Oh, he went 1-8 in the next mock. Yeah, I know, I, I ain't touching that. Yeah, no. No, if I see him like 206 and you know lower than that, like, Heck yeah. If you know he falls to the third round, I'm taking the shot on Oh, third time. round is a no-brainer. But I'm okay. I'm saying, like, if he stays in the first, that's still that's too rich for me, you know? Mm. Again, not a true fade as the burning the red shirt guys no, want, no. but it's a fade somewhat. It's it's a good fit. All right, let's move on to the next one here. Ah, uh, this is a fun one. This yes. is one that a lot of people are interested in hearing my thoughts on. So Nate Marquise, <laughs> friend of the show, no, I don't even say friend of the show. He's like pretty consistent co-host at this point. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, but um, he says, do you still feel this way about Milton? What is he referring to? He's referring to a tweet I sent back in March where I said, 
usually at Georgia, it's either a 1-2 or a 1-A, 1-B like we saw last year with White Cook. Um, Swift in 2019 was the most recent example of getting one back close to being a true number one back. From word out of camp, we'll be seeing those numbers from Kendall Milton this year, if not more. And yes, do you still feel this way about Milton? I've yet to see you touch him in a draft. First of all, I've taken Milton in three drafts, two best balls, one mock draft. Uh, so, and again, those two best balls, I put money on the line, so I he is a part of my team in those. Uh, just since then, I've chosen to diversify my portfolio since then in best balls because I don't like taking the same guys over and over again in every single best ball. But to answer your question, Nate, yes, I do still feel this way about Kendall Milton. I have been told by people close to Georgia's program that we should expect at least 200 touches for Kendall Milton in the season. For reference, DeAndre Swift got 220 in 2019, that same year that I was referring to in this post. And in that year, DeAndre Swift had 196 carries for 1,218 yards and seven touchdowns. And then he had 24 receptions for 216 yards and a touchdown. I think those are perfectly reasonable stats to expect out of Kendall Milton this year. I would probably reduce the receiving work just a little bit, but although he's gotten a lot better at that, we saw that in the spring game a little bit, they really want to be able to use him out of the backfield. Uh, but I'd also expect a touchdown or two more. Again, Swift got seven touchdowns that year. It's a bad offensive year for Georgia. And especially since Zamir White had less carries last year, but he had 11 touchdowns on the year. So I could totally expect to see Milton get closer to that because Milton's a bit of a closer mold to him than Swift. So that's kind of my thoughts on it, Brandon. I know, Brandon, you said before the show you wanted to kind of this one to be all on me, but what are your thoughts overall on so, Kevin Milton here? I'll, I'll ask the question because you're the Georgia guy. So what's your thoughts on Milton holding that type of carries? Do you think he's capable of doing it without injury or, you know, you know stuff like that from his past? I know Zamir had issues a little bit when it comes to being banged up and stuff like that. Do you think Milton can hold up? 200 carries or do you think this goes to a lot more to McIntosh because of a default or a nagging injury or something like that? What's your thoughts there? I hope he doesn't have any more nagging injuries. Me neither. <laughs> the fact is, I mean, the fact is he does, he has had nagging injuries in the past and everything like that. It's kept him off the field. But I think those have been overblown just a little bit because the plan last year was for Milton to become the number two back behind Zamir. Yeah. But then he has some nagging injuries pop up, and a lot of people are like, oh, it took him forever to get back onto the field. But also, why force yeah. Kendall yeah, back Cook. onto the field when Zamir, White, and James Cook were doing just fine on their own? Mm -hmm. So I think those were a little overblown last year. I think if Georgia needed to, they would have put Milton on the field a lot sooner. But they wanted to save him for a year like this, where it's truly his year, in my opinion. Again, I'll talk to uh, in a second about what I expect out of McIntosh. I think McIntosh is clearly going to be the number two back there. But actually, we'll go ahead and hop into this next one because yeah, the next question here lines up. comes from Lee Rogers. Uh, you guys know him as Space Age Dragon, probably in the Discord or on Twitter. But he says, uh, James Cook and Zamir White leave 309 carries on the table. How do you foresee the split between Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton, Dejon Edwards disperse? I'm going to go even further than this because I've broken down how I think the entire rushing thing or rushing stats for Georgia could be broken down this year. Here's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting Milton to get about 39% of the carries, which puts him about 209 carries on the year. This is assumed being 535 carries, which is the average of the last two full seasons that Georgia has done. This is excluding 2020 because we didn't get a full season out of that. Mm 
Right. So Kenny McIntosh, I'm expecting about 27%. That puts him about 145 carries. And you're saying, like, wow, that's a big gap. Like, um, McIntosh is getting, in this scenario, getting more carries than James Cook got last year. So I expect Georgia just to be running the ball a little bit more with these top two guys. I think Dejon Edwards is going to get an uptick, but not too much. Because, again, I think if re- I really think it's McIntosh. I think it's Kenny and Kendall's year. Uh, so I expect him to get about 12% of the carries. That puts him about 63%. Or, or not 63%. 63 carries. And then a lot of people want to know Branson Robinson, Andrew Paul. Like, what are they going to get? Branson Robinson, I think 7%, about 38 carries. I think he'll be the most successful out of the two uh, freshman running backs. But again, that running back group is pretty loaded at the moment. So I think right. they're not going to get touches like we saw like DeAndre Swift got in 2019, even though Michelle and Chubb were ahead of him. Um, I, I don't, I, I, again, Edwards is very respected among the Georgia staff. So I doubt we see Robinson overtake him in terms of number of carries. And then Andrew Paul, I think he's a very talented running back. I don't see him getting a ton of work this year. I put him about 3% in 16 carries. And then you're asking me, well, that doesn't add up to 100. Where's the rest of it going? I put sets and Ben about 10%. I think he's going to get the same number of rushing attempts this year as he did last year. So about 53 carries. That's about 10%. And then everybody else, I just kind of threw in about 2%. And that just kind of covers the rest of the projected carries there. So overall, again, I went long on that. But I do think Kendall Milton is going to be right at about the 200 carries and probably a little bit more than that uh, on the year. And then McIntosh probably gets close to about 140, 150 carries, in my opinion. So where is Milton still sitting as far as ADP? Is he still pretty decent? Oh, he's pretty, right he's pretty far down there because everybody was worried about uh, like Samir White and everybody. And they're like, oh, is this full RB um, running back by committee? I don't think mm-hmm. it is. I think it is going to be Milton's year and McIntosh's year. I think. Yeah. I don't think they're both going to be like true CFF guys, but we've seen Georgia do a two-back system where both guys are CFF guys. Um, the year that Chubb and Michelle just ran over mm-hmm. all of college football in 2017 – both of those guys were CFF running backs. Yeah. So it's perfectly possible, in my opinion. I mean, even Swift had a decent season when oh, he was no, going Swift. over 1,000 yards. So if Milton can do that, that, that's that, a good steal for value. So Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. Again, 1,200 yards, I think, is not out of the question for Milton. Anyway, yeah. enough talk about Georgia, because I know <laughs> I, Dwight Peebles probably listening to this thing. He's like, oh, my God, there goes Jared again on Georgia. <laughs> yeah, Dwight, I'm salty about that comment. Come at me. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Anyway, let's go ahead and move on here. We got about three questions left here, so let's go ahead and touch on these. Uh, these ones are a little bit more fun, not quite as CFF oriented, but we'll get into it. Uh, Luke Probosco, again, he asked the question on Cameron Ward earlier, but he also wanted to throw in a fun one here. He said, What is something you enjoy doing in your free time? And then he also asked, What is your guilty pleasure TV show or movie? Uh, things I like to do in my free time, again, CFF stuff kind of covers a lot of the free time stuff but i also do enjoy just playing video games i play on my computer and on my xbox uh i mentioned earlier i play apex a lot with xavier so and yes by the way xavier xavier's not dead y'all uh he is alive he's doing well um but again me and him play apex all the time so fun stuff there uh and then again i do stuff with my girlfriend all the time again you see me post things on twitter and stuff like that whenever we go on our cute little dates like picking strawberries like picking strawberries, uh, which again, by the way, uh, Corey, uh, you know you're listening. He, Corey put it for this podcast. I asked like what like, like questions. He asked like, what did you do to be put in the doghouse to go strawberry picking? I'm like nothing. It was nothing, just a man. fun thing for us to do. You we can make good jelly, that. man. 
we actually got done with it really really quickly we were expecting to be yeah. out there for like two hours because again last time we went there um it was kind of closer to the end so like they um it took us a lot longer to actually fill up our bucket of strawberries this time we found like a really nice and ripe row and we picked we were out of there in like 45 minutes it was crazy yeah it's pretty anyway crazy. Guilty pleasure or t- TV show or movie? Uh, people are gonna hate me, on, hate me for this one, but uh, guys, I, I do kind of enjoy the Michael Bay Transformers movies. Just when the Transformers are on screen, when it's humans, it sucks. But man, when it's just the Transformers and it's just them duking it out, it's awesome stuff, y'all. Like they did the action in those <laughs> really, really well, and I'm happy to sit through some BS in order to get to those moments. <laughs> so yeah, especially the first few Transformers movies. Four and five, yeah, it, it even got to the point where I'm like, because eh. even the action wasn't all that great. Uh, yeah. But the first three ones, there's some legitimately great action sequences in those, and I'll sit through that. So, Brandon, what do you like to do in your free time, and what's your guilty pleasure TV show or movie? Yes, so in my free time when I'm not working or doing fantasy football content, I do enjoy going to the gym. Uh, so that's something I like to do. It's a good safe space for me. helps me de-stress, things like that. Got to keep up with the fitness. I'm getting older. Uh, I like to do some hiking as well. Uh, and yeah. I like to uh, see new towns. So I'm a bit of a uh, not traveler, but I like to do a lot of the local ones. So on a random day off that I don't have any, you know, stuff. Brandon, I need to are do you off. sure this isn't a dating podcast? Because like you're like listing, you're listing like a Tinder profile here. No, my my lady would not be happy if I was trying to date random people. Uh, all right. But anyway, uh, but I like I, to, I like to do that, do some hiking. I enjoy going to local breweries, so I like doing that stuff. And uh, a lot of stuff that people don't know is I do run a, a local paranormal team. So I've been doing that for a while. I've been wow. in the paranormal field for 15 years. Uh, and uh, I've named it after uh, an ancestor of mine who's one of the most famous pirates in the world and very popular in this area. So that's why I can grow a good beard. So you want to take a stab of who that might be? I'm going to guess Blackbeard. That is Mr. correct. Mr. Edward Teach. Yes, I am part teach. I don't know which wife. We're trying to figure that out, but it's one of the 13 that survived, not the 14th one that he killed. Um, so there's that. Uh, and then in my guilty pleasures, I love wrestling. It's no surprise with that. For people that see my videos, I have, you know, the setup in the back. I did some quick writing for wrestling, decided that, you know, it's something I wanted to keep a hobby. So I decided to not do that and fantasy because I was just stretching myself too thin as well. Yeah. Uh, so I love wrestling. And then, of course, I love anything Marvel and Star Wars. So all the shows and the movies and stuff like that. Keep tabs there with Disney Plus and all the ones that come out. So um, Doctor Strange was a fantastic one and I'm enjoying Obi-Wan Kenobi right now. So that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Uh, that's what I like to do. There you go. All righty. Let's go ahead and move on. Uh, some weirdo uh, named Brandon T. Sanders sent us this question. He's <laughs> uh, at CFF University on Twitter. Uh, he Just said, other than the CTN pod, so uh, this one, what other CFF podcasts do you listen to weekly? Uh, first of all, I don't listen to CTN weekly. Um, I do listen every once in a while, mostly because I do want to like kind of do like a quality check of myself to make sure like I hear things that I don't normally hear when I am recording. But even so I don't listen I don't listen to myself weekly because I was there and I recorded it. But yeah. also um other podcasts. So I'm just gonna go through a list here and then Brandon, you just kinda add on any more that I kind of miss here. But CFF podcast with Mike Bainbridge or the CFF site podcast with Mike Bainbridge and Joe DeSalvo. It's not a weekly podcast, but if it was a weekly podcast, I would listen weekly. Uh Campus Life Podcast with Austin Nason and Colin Decker. Again, not fully CFF, but there's enough college football content there for you guys to learn about like different players and stuff like that you your other league mates probably haven't heard of 
the CFB Winning Edge podcast with Nicholas Ian Allen. Tons of great information there. Uh, the Future Freshman podcast with, again, that weirdo, Brandon T. Sanders. Uh, really one. awesome show, y'all. Especially go check out the, the freshman mock draft that we did recently. Uh, probably one of the best shows I've ever been a part of. Uh, of course, you have the new, the, the new Kids on the Block, the Burning the Red Shirt podcast with Zachary Tao, Chris K., and Andrew Katz. Awesome, just laid-back environment over there. Love listening to them. It's like, it's like kind of like kicking back and just talking football with my buddies. It's great. Uh, the In This League College Fantasy Football Podcast with John Lobb, Eric Froton, and Scott Bogman. They are the OG CFF podcasters in my mind. They are the ones that like I found first when it comes to like doing CFF podcasts and everything. Very happy that they were able to get back together after uh, Fantrax wouldn't let them do the on-campus podcast anymore. So absolutely go check that out. And then less CFF-oriented but still great college football content, the Summer School Series from Bud Elliott on the cover three podcast has been some of the best college football content i have heard in a long time because it really dives in deep with a lot of these insiders that 247 has expertly been able to recruit over these years and you hear stuff out of there you never hear anywhere else so i highly recommend that series for people and then i'm sure i i didn't listen here but the late kick with Josh Pate, y'all. Like we we all love that show. A- again, it's not necessarily great for like learning new information about teams, but you know, it's great for keeping the pulse of uh college football in general. So Brandon, mm. did I miss anybody here and everything? Like let me know who I am yep, terribly so forgetting. You're good. So I, I list all those. Of course, I put CTN pod, duh, because here we are, right? Um, I do actually listen to my own, but it's only for editing. I want to just make sure the edit came out good. So I do listen to both the future version oh, of the pod. Okay. So and, uh, the you're, you're talking about pod, editing. So. Okay. That makes more sense now. Because, yeah, like I listen to it when I'm editing it and everything. I'm talking say, about just like in the car or something like that. I thought you were asking. Like you were I surprised. still do, but it's only because I want to hear how it sounds as it came out, if that makes sense. I don't know. Okay, Maybe I'm just you, a self-hyper or self-promoter. Maybe I am. I don't know. Um, and also, shout out to Farnsworth and No One's the Ankle Biters podcast. That's True. a great one. Uh, if you want a good that. laugh and uh, really good knowledge, they they are really really good at that. Uh, some of my favorite just CFB all around. Uh, I like uh, the twenty four seven sports recruiting one. Of course, that comes in handy when I'm doing the future freshman podcast. So I'm all about that and seeing where kids are committing and keeping you know my my hand on the pulse basically as well. Of course, I'm big on some of the uh, 24-7 ones, so like Pack Pride, Hoist the Colors with ECU, Inside Carolina for the Tar Heels, Devil's Den for Duke. I like to keep all the local teams in the know. I like to be the specialist there, so when it comes time for CFF, I'm, you know, I can kind of distribute that knowledge just like uh, Jared does for Georgia and Nate does for Oklahoma. I like to kind of be that in the know there. And with Chris being right next to the campus there at NC State, I'm sure he knows just as much about NC State like I do. So uh, that's some of the ones that I, I do as well. Of course, I'm a Pate State guy as well, Josh. Josh Pace, a guy, and a guy that uh, is coming up that you should listen out to for an interview, uh, J.D. Paquel, uh, CFB with J.D. Oh, yeah, I, like, I like that series, so uh, I am I very much enjoy his content, too. So very very much looking forward to talking to him uh, sometime this week. So, All righty. Again, that if, if y'all didn't have all those podcasts to listen to throughout the week, write them all down, and <laughs> there you go. That's all you need to listen to. All right, we got one last question here. And this is from Colton Laster. He's at Colton Laster 4 on Twitter. And he said, who's going to make you look like a genius by the end of December this year? And the question, the answer I'm going to give here is probably not the answer Colton wants. He probably wants me to give him a player or two and everything. But in, if, So if this isn't what you want, Colton, just DM me later. I'll give you some guys and everything. But <laughs> the truest answer I can give is 
you guys, the listeners, uh, would you guys win your CFF leagues later in the fall after faithfully listening to this podcast all like off season and into the mm-hmm. season? Talking about like the different guys you pick up off the waivers when I talk to you guys like uh, about like different decisions you can make, and then you re- you replied back to me like, "Oh yeah, I won this week because of like the decision that we made together and everything." That is the stuff that makes me feel like a genius at the end of the day more than like some guy I picked out in like April and said like, "Hey, this guy could feel this guy's probably gonna have a really good year." Nobody's really talking about him. That's the truest answer I can give you guys is that when you guys do well, that's when I feel like a genius. So, is you you want to follow that up with anything, Brandon? It's it's well said, and I I agree. If you listen to this podcast amongst the, some of the other ones, you're going to have a good leg up, and you're going to probably win a lot of leagues. So, if you're trying to win some money, some win some titles and stuff like that, uh, Jared's not wrong. He he definitely is in the green. So, I'm very excited for you guys that are listening because you're going to get a lot of great information on this podcast. Like I said, this is one I keep in my rotation every single week, and I love it every single week that it pops on Monday morning. So. Um, for me, it's going to be a couple players, but I've been on these two hype trains ever since the start of the season. I've been pounding the table ever since, so it's no surprise. And one is Mr. Mitchell Tinsley, who I still think is wide receiver one at Penn State. Uh, I think he's going to outdo Parker Washington and kind of be the uh, the more dominant wide receiver there. Uh, he's playing out the X. He's doing really good in spring practice. And I told people ahead of time, do not sleep on Mitchell Tinsley, even if he's coming from G5. And that brings me to my next point, and that's my freshman hype. And that's, of course, the golden one, Mr. Matthew Golden, who uh, signed with Houston. I've been doing that train, and I think he's going to be a dominant force in CFF in the next few years. So that's uh, no surprise. But I, I hope they uh, prove me right and that I get to tout, like, hey, guys, I said this, like, in February of this past year, you know, so oh, that's yeah. what I'm hoping. Uh, but those guys to the bitter end, you know, whether I'm wrong or right, these are the two that I'm that I hype all season long. Yep. Uh, I, again, I, I know those two guys as Brandon's dudes and like I'm coming around a little bit on Tinsley because again, him getting the there. start in the spring game, I think was a very good sign, especially in that X position. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely see about it. I think I'm honestly off of all Penn State wide receivers at this point because I think they might distribute it just a little too much for mm-hmm. my liking, but we will definitely see. Um, but if so, that brings us to the end of our show, y'all. It is, this was fun. Again, mailbags are fun. And again, like I it's thought okay. I had, I was doing it too soon again. But again, I realized it's been four months since I last did one. So I'm like, you know what? Let's get another batch of questions in here. Let's talk about what you guys are, what you guys want to hear about. And so really, really enjoyed doing this. Brandon, it's awesome to have you on again, man. And you, again, it's just a ton of fun, like talking to you guys and like wanting to know like what exactly you guys wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. So... That brings us to the end of our show. And again, I really appreciate you guys listening. Same spiel as before. If you're watching this on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, all that good jazz. If you're listening on podcasts, make sure you follow us, leave reviews. Gotta love all that stuff. Brandon, go ahead and plug yourself here and anything that you are working on here in the new future. Especially, what can we expect coming from the Future Freshman Podcast here soon? Great that you asked. Um, so it is returning this week. Of course, we have our guy CFF Nate joining us this week. We're going to do nice. what we call dropping the boom er. So we're going to do a little deep dive on uh, Oklahoma. You liked it, Jared. You know you like my titles. Anyway. <laughs> Mine was probably uh, the worst one with the spring break springers. So like, I get it. I mean, but they're springing. They were springing. They were springing. Uh, but uh, 
you know, uh, we're going to have Nate on. So we'll do a little deep dive there. Of course, we'll have our big fish, small pond. Uh, we will be taking a small break after that, as I am transitioning into the CFFU podcast. Uh, but the first uh, future freshman podcast is coming back. Um, I do have our buddy Luke. He's uh, looking into maybe a few interviews of myself, but there only would be freshmen. So question mark we shall see so look into that as well but the cffu podcast will be back shortly um we're going to be probably taking a look at uh you know just talking to some of the uh, analysts around the cff community first before we start diving into actual like week play and things like that so you'll start seeing that come of course that has now transitioned over to uh c2c so now campus canton will have the rights there on their feed and also on the regular ones you have that as well um so that's what's coming up um i am taking a break i'll go ahead and announce it that uh, i did decide to not be doing ranking anymore for CFF as far as redraft is concerned, but it's only because I wanted to focus on the CFF guide and focus on just freshman rankings. And we're trying to work that in with the C2C uh, website. So just kind of be looking out for that. Uh, but other than that, that's what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, you'll see a lot more uh, podcasts to come man. So I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. And Brandon, you're, you're providing tons of great content with the future freshman. I think it's probably one of the more successful podcasts that C2C even has right now. You really hit a niche market there with it. You absolutely nailed it. So I, I am looking forward to the continuous continuing growth uh, of that podcast. And then for us and everything, one big thing we haven't mentioned yet, we are still working on that CFF guide that is going to be released to you guys in July. It's going to have all 130 teams broken down for you guys so you can understand who to target on each team's. And then we'll also have sections breaking down some of the top players at each position for you guys. You're gonna, you're basically gonna have everything you need to know about the entire landscape of college football going into the season right before all of your leagues really start up with their drafts. So very much looking forward to releasing that again. Nate, Brandon, Chris, all of them have been working super hard on that. Uh, I need to catch up with some of y'all on in terms of how many uh, pages I have written, but even so. Very much looking forward to that. And yeah, like I said, that breaks the end of our show. Again, looking forward to it, y'all. And we'll see you guys next week. Have a wonderful and blessed day. See you.